and welcome to KeeperCast, the Keeper of Velocities podcast. I'm Sammy. And I'm Ben. And this is episode 31, brought to you by nobody, actually, because I did not think of one before we started today. It's a, it's a bonus up, brought to you by the end of Never Seen. Yes, brought to you by the end of Never Seen. <laughs> brought to you by one more cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to be so weird if the final book of the series is the only book without a cliffhanger. Poetic and interesting to think about it, but a little bit strange. Oh, that's going to be so weird. You're right. To, like, not end on a cliffhanger. And, like, not throw the book across the room when you're finished with it. Maybe for once you'll have your hardcover copy and there won't be a dent in the spine from it hitting the wall. This is a bonus episode. And... Ben, you can probably explain it better than I can. <laughs> uh, yes, I would love to. So the idea behind this episode is kind of like the butterfly effect, but also not really. So as a basic example, it's about taking one event from, we're focusing on Never Seen because that's the book we just finished. So it's taking one event from Never Seen, saying, okay, that is what happened in this series. But what if this happened instead of that? and then talking about how that would have played out throughout the rest of the series. So one small example would be like, this could have been for, well, one of the examples could be like, we say we have here that Lady Gisela is a polyglot. So we could say, well, this happens in the series, but what if she wasn't? And then we would say, well, if she wasn't a polyglot, then Keith would have had to find some other way to steal the cash from Sophie at the end. So it's just kind of playing out scenes like that and seeing how far they spiral and what other interesting, like, worst case scenarios of the series that we can come up with. We're pretty much writing a fanfic together today. Yeah. AU. <laughs> That's another bonus app idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, write a fanfic just on the spot. Or, or I guess it would be a podfic or whatever those are called. I guess, yeah. So uh, we have a small list of ideas that we're going to go through and just kind of talk about what kind of crazy stuff would have happened in the series if the series wasn't the way it was. The first situation that we have is, it's a good one. It's, what if Fitz, when he had gotten impaled by the Arthropleura, what if he had actually died instead of just, like, being sick forever? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is one that I find pretty interesting, and we can get into more specifics if we want, but there's also, because there's the, there's the idea that he would die upon being stabbed, but there's also the idea that there would be this slow death from the poison, which, wow, I did not expect it to get so dark this fast, and I'm sorry. I guess that's a good question, like, how, like, obviously he dies from the stabbing, but what part of the stab kills him? I guess it could really go either way, but, like, for him to die immediately, I think I can't believe we're talking about this, but for him to to die immediately, it would have meant he would have been stabbed somewhere else, probably. Like, I don't know, like his head or somewhere that would have instantly killed him rather than just being stabbed through the chest. Whereas if, whereas if his death was like more of a slow thing, like maybe when he was recovering um, with physic, and then, like, suddenly he takes a turn for the worse and ends up not making it. So those are, like, two different possibilities. Yeah, I think I think what I realized as soon as I started talking is that 
either one of these deaths, I think, would be the most interesting to play out through Dex because we see him feeling guilty about his device not working. Yeah. Because we see, I think this is a pretty big turn. Like, this is a turning point in the series for a lot of reasons. Not Fitz being stabbed, but like never seen in general as a book. And it would just be a very interesting example, too. Because going, stepping into the meta of the world, like, we kind of have this series divided into three separate stages. So we've got stage one, which is one through three. We've got stage through four, stage two, four through six, stage three six through nine and I guess unlocked is thrown in there too but we've kind of got phase one where Dex and Fitz are kind of at this rivalry hatred kind of thing and this would be kind of and we kind of see them leaving that behind we see them growing a bit and then we get into book four and they are making even more progress and then Fitz just dies yeah like it would be really interesting because I am I don't remember like what the order of these scenes were, but there is the scene where, um, you know, Fitz gets stabbed by the Arthropleur, and then there's also a scene where Dex kind of has a conversation with Fitz, right? And then they're like, re- remind me if I'm remembering this correctly, but like, and they sort of like get over um their issues with each other, and then eventually Dex says to Sophie like, "Oh, Fitz isn't that bad." So like, if um. So if that second scene actually comes before Fitz getting stabbed, like, it would be really interesting if they sort of make up and then immediately Fitz dies and you have to sort of see how Dex would, like, grapple with that. Dex is a very interesting character, especially when it comes to taking on responsibility and his abilities to do things. And the fact that he could and did blame that blame that incident on himself is very intriguing to think about i mean like he would just blame himself even more if fitz you know didn't recover and if it really wasn't reversible dex is a really fun character i wish he was looked at more <laughs> please shannon give us the give us the juice to analyze him on <laughs> give us the meat <laughs> It's um it's also interesting to think about how the other vacers would react to this because we've already seen how they reacted in exile when they thought Alden was broken. So like imagine how you know Biana and Olvar would sort of take it if Fitz died. You know what I think could be a very interesting possibility of this? I think it could be Alvar convincing Bianna to then join the Never join scene the- because yes. the council was were the ones who killed Fitz. Yeah, because it was kind of both the council and the Black Swan, actually, because, yeah, the council was at fault, but they were there on a Black Swan mission. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so I think there could be this very... Because we've seen what the Vacker parents do when they grieve, and that is disappear. They retreat into themselves and into each other. They are not really emotionally there for their kids in times of grief from what we've seen. So that would give Alver a whole lot of time, just him and Bianna. So I think that's a, that's a, that's a dark, this is, this whole route is dark, but that's especially dark. Yeah. That's interesting. Thinking of like a, a never seen version of Bianna. She'd be so good at it. She would though. Bianna would. would be such a good bad guy. Like, I know, 
the last episode I was on was the one where we talked about combat skills and how Bianna was one of the best in combat. And I think that her then having that access to just like be fully violent that the never scene allows would just be a very interesting way to change the series. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it could be it could be neat then too because then when you go down this path you start to wonder like okay so Alvar betrays them at the end of never seen would Bianna then betray them with him or would Alvar not betray them then oh like would Alvar decide to like sort of betray the never seen instead to because of Bianna is that what you're saying well I think what I meant more was like when you get into the statistics of like them both being on the never seen now Let's assume that the rest of the book goes somewhat similarly to canon and they go to Ravagog. But would that still be like the same scene in Ravagog where you have, I think it was Brant and Fintan staring down Oliver telling him to betray himself? Or would that change because they now have two insiders into the never scene? Oh, yeah, I could see it like, I could see Oliver's betrayal coming out earlier like before Ravagog if Bianna was more involved with it because maybe he'd want to like I don't know I feel like maybe Ulver and Bianna if they had both agreed to be in the never scene they would just like run off in the middle of the night at some point and like not be involved in Ravagog or show up again in Ravagog but on the never seen side yeah completely betray them that would have been that would have been quite a turn for the series <laughs> Yeah. I think there's also an interesting opportunity where, like, they play it strategically and Bianna purposely stays with the group to be, like, a traitor or whatever, which I hate to think about. And is very sad, but would be an interesting storyline to follow, especially since we as the audience don't know about it. That actually reminds me I had, I used to have a theory that, like, after Lodestar, like, Keith was actually still reporting to the Never Scene and doing all that stuff, but like nobody knew. And so I could imagine sort of a similar thing happening with Bianca, where like she's just doing this for books, for multiple books, and nobody figures it out. Yeah, and I think because she's a vanisher too, so like she's a vanisher. And we've also seen before that Shannon's really good at foreshadowing. Like, say what you want, but like. I think some of the foreshadowing she does, especially in some of these like middle middle of the series books, is really cool and like all the Dracostome stuff that they had in this book. Yeah, definitely. So I think it would definitely be one of those betrayals where you're like, some people have been theorizing that Bianna was a traitor, she'd been acting funny or whatever. And then you get to her betrayal and then reading back through the series you see so many more signs. Oh, I also think would Keith Keith probably wouldn't betray the group if Fitz died. Yeah, I don't I don't know how Keith would react actually. I mean, obviously he'd be like really sad and grieving, but like in terms of his actions, I um like maybe that would be the final thing to like have him decide that like oh, his, you know, his friend group and the Black Swan, it's too important for him to risk it all by like doing this whole double agent gambit at the end of the book. Yeah, because it's very interesting, because thinking about it, it could push him both ways, because he could be pushed to join the Never Scene because he sees how bad the Council is in killing his only friend, and the Black Swan was complicit in it, same reasoning for 
Deanna. But then we also have Sophie, who's going to be incredibly traumatized and sad, and he is even less likely to want to leave her. Yeah, yeah, it could go either way. The idea of a character death at all in Keeper of the Lost Cities is very odd. I can't, I can't imagine any of the main characters dying, like, in the actual books. Like, I don't know, I just, I can't really imagine, like, how that would happen. Uh, yeah, because I know, because I've seen... Because more people have been theorizing about, like, character deaths in the Keeper series, and I think, like, as we've seen here, like, it's very fun to think about, but also, like, it is so foreign to what this series, like, main message is about and what the series' main focus is that it would be so weird to experience in canon and then have to watch the characters go through. I mean, like, I've, I don't know, I feel like there are a few characters who, like, could die, possibly. Um. <laughs> I'm mainly thinking of, like, Wiley or Gen Z or, you know, one of those characters. But, like, I just don't think it'll happen because the theme, because, like, like you said, like, the theme of Keeper of the Lost Cities is all about, like, friendship and how important it all is. So, like, to ha- kill off a character and break up that friendship would be kind of weird. Yeah. I also think that, like, if Wiley dies at the end of the series, I'm gonna be so mad. Like, if there is one, if there is one character who deserves nice, well, if there are two characters in the series who deserve, three characters in the series who deserve nice things, it's Chief, <laughs> Sophie, and they Wiley. They all deserve nice they things. They all deserve nice things, but those through those three, I feel like, have been through so much to get anything other than a happy ending. It's true. Like, Wiley went through the whole kidnapping thing, and, like, He's he's gone through too much to die at the end of it. No. He's the only orphan in the whole like society. Yeah. That's true. Like we, talk like, about, like we talk about how Sophie is isolated when she joins, but can you imagine how isolating Wiley would have felt? Something unheard of happened to him. Yeah, Wiley um really got the short end of the stick on a lot of things. He really he really did. Because we're so used to everything starting when Sophie came into the series. But when you think about it, like, things kind of did start, like, if you were going to tell a teen novel, things kind of did start with Wiley. If you were going to write a prequel, it would either be from Jolie's perspective or would be from Wiley's. Wiley prequel. I would love that. I know I say this about every character, but, like, I'd love a Wiley prequel. Oh, or even just, like, even just a Wiley short story. Yeah. It was just like a reflection, him looking back and being like, ugh, damn. Yeah, that would be great. So, anything else to say about Fitz dying? Um, that's kind of all I have to say about Fitz dying, actually. Yeah. Um, moral of, moral of this, uh, spiral is please don't kill off main characters. Yeah, please. It would screw everything up We would like so them to much. be happy. All right, going chronologically, I guess the next one would be, like, if Lynn hadn't destroyed Ravagog, so, like, if that hadn't been the plan, then, like, what would their plan to, um, to defeat Dimitar, like, what would their plan have been? Yeah, so I think, I think, like, the same way we started off with the previous one, we can kind of talk about the different ways that this would happen, so... One of my ideas was, like, either Lynn didn't have fully the power to flood Ravagog, which is out of character because she did cause a flood in Atlantis, but also Atlantis was underwater. 
So I think there could be like a weird thing where like she tried to muster up the strength, but due to like the toxins in the river or whatever, she just couldn't do it. Or of course, there's like Lynn is somehow knocked out earlier in the scene or like she is captive or there are a bunch of different ways that this could happen. So yeah, those are all like a bunch of different ways that it could happen. Another like possibility, I guess, is that maybe if the story was changed so Lynn like wasn't a hydrokinetic at all, like she had some other ability. I think yeah, that would could be really cool. Imagine if like Tam and Lynn were shade twins. Yeah, that would be cool. I think it could also do more to this like it it doesn't always work out, but I think it could also do more to this mystique of like them both being hated and outcasted or whatever. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So if it wasn't Lynn, then like which character do you think would have had the power to be able to like do something similar or none of them really have the same kind of like yeah as you as you were saying they don't none of them really have lynn's physical power levels when it comes to destroying cities yeah but i think right i think i would place my bets on keith for this one because we've seen him deal with the ogres before and we've seen the power that him pulling out his like his mom card like son of the never scenes leader we've seen the power that that has within the fiction so i think that could be really intriguing. Like, Sophie and Fitz read Rav, like, Dimitar's mind. They find something else. They tell Keith. Keith, like, does his dramatic actor thing. And somehow they manage to create a stalemate. Yeah, so, like, manage to solve the whole thing without any, without really needing any, like, physical destruction or anything. It's all kind of through through talking and Keith being able to, like, Keith just having leverage. Yeah. And I think that's, like, that brings up the funny part of, like, if Lynn doesn't, if Lynn doesn't flood the city, do they even get a cure to the plague? Because I can't remember exactly the, because Caleb was the one who figured out what the cure was, but I can't remember if she found it out, like, as she was picking them up or just by kind of standing in Ravagog for a long time. Yeah, if Kala just figured it out by, like, being in Ravagog, then it wouldn't really have made a difference how they um, ended up escaping. But, like, if there was something specific about... Oh, wait! They might not have figured out that the um, that King Dimitar's cure was a fake. I think they, I think they still, they very well might not have, but I think because the escape happens after they hear about the oh, cure, right. then they might still know about it, but it would also be interesting to think about, like, them trying to, them suddenly, their plans changing, middle of the thing, they can't even figure out the cure, they just have to figure out how to get out, and, like, that priority shift could be fun to read. I think there is something to be said for, like, Keeper of the Lost Cities being enjoyable because of its episodical type of writing and series, but it could have been neat to like have the repercussions of that plague expand throughout more than one book. Yeah, that would be that would be interesting. Like if if for some reason this causes um Kala to not become the panic tree and to like not figure out that that's the cure, then like. 
later books would have to be more focused on like them still trying to find the cure and figure out how to save all these gnomes. Mm -hmm. I also think there's something to be said like I think Never Seen was the first book I read where the next book wasn't out yet. Yeah, same. So (laughs) reading, yeah. So if you had read through the first three books and experienced that uh, episodical format, and then you went into this fourth book and everything just changed, can you imagine how crazy that would have been? Like, the the amount of panic that would have induced, it would have just been crazy. Yeah, I think it's like, because at the time, I don't know, because I remember that Never Seen was the first book outside of Shannon's original three-book contract. But I can't remember if she contracted for another three books or if it was another four books. I think it was she contracted up to seven and then got eight and nine. So that would have been the exact middle of the series where you're flipping that switch. We're so, at least for me, like I'm so used to having series be either like in groups of three, five, or seven. Even for insanely long series like, oh, I hate to say this out loud, but you know, the Warrior Cat series. like. (laughs) That that's an insanely long series, but it's still episodical per seven books. Oh, Warriors! I love that series. I'm so forcing <laughs> that aloud. Oh man, yeah, I. You know, I have probably about forty of them sitting on a shelf somewhere that I'd rather. No, I. Yeah, I had, I had so like, many. I read those religiously up for like the whole first like four series, I think, before I stopped. I think I got up to, oh, I think, was series five the one where they went and learned about the foundation of the clans? I think so. Like, like, series five was like a prequel kind of series? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I had the first, I read the first book of that one and I I just didn't keep going. I read, like, I read the first four series. I don't know why elementary elementary school me thought this was a good idea, but I read, like, the first four series like once a year probably from like grade three to grade seven just because why not that's amazing yeah but that's like that's like you've got seven books in a series they're obviously shorter books than keeper of the lost cities but they all carry through this same plot line up until the end of that seventh book where it's resolved and then you go on to a new series usually focusing on new characters yeah, it's like you have this bigger thing, but it's split up into like chunks. Mm-hmm. That's like it's obviously a very, a very different format from Keeper of the Lost Cities. They aren't really comparable now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Wait, how did we get to this again <laughs> from from Ravagog? Um. Oh, the plague. The plague. Right. Right. The plague. The plague. Is more than one book. <laughs> right. So yeah, yeah. I think. It's an interesting thought to think about it, but I also think, like, due to how quickly the plague was spreading, there was no way that it couldn't be resolved in one book and not have it end feeling hopeless. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Another thing to kind of consider in, like, how they could have... how they could have escaped Ravagog without Lin would be Dex and his gadgets. I don't know, like, exactly how that would work or like what gadgets exactly would be used but i feel like if like that's like the closest kind of thing they have to a power that's like as destructive as lynn's 
So I'm going to go for another really weird pull here. Um, okay. So we've seen that the Black Swan works with dwarves. Um, we've seen that the dwarves make big tunnels with their feet. So oh. if you're familiar with the Easter Bunny yeah. from Guardians, that one movie, Guardians, Rise of the Jack Guardians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Dex becomes like the Easter Bunny from that movie. And just, or even Santa from that movie, and just has Dex as Santa or tunnel. Yeah, you know, you know the logical conclusions to jump to. Yeah, no, I love that actually. You know, Sophie already has teleporting. Maybe Dex just has an invention that throws them all super high up in the air. Oh yeah, they could have like they could have like levitated up there, and then Sophie could have teleported them out. That's. That's also another option. There's this. Yep, we just keep. Well, I. How come nobody thought of that in the book? I don't know. Maybe I feel like. I. How funny would that be if you're just a bunch of ogres and you're like, haha, we've got you now to a bunch of teenagers, and then the teenagers all start holding hands flying. and flying and then <laughs> drop and disappear into nothingness? Yeah, that would be a turn of events. Yeah. I also just like. I like the scene of something like the super cheesy ejector seats in yes. like cars in like cartoons where like Dex just has a button and the ground just like catapults them into the air. Oh my god, yes. Or like okay, this is also a kind of weird thing to think about, but like you know how Kala can kind of make like a root roller coaster? I think that's what they called it. Oh yeah, how the roots like pull you along or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So what if Kala came to their rescue then and like made them and then, like, I don't know, like, wrapped them around with roots and then catapulted them up into the air. Can't go under, might as well go over and up and then <laughs> teleport into a void. I mean, you know. As one does on a daily basis. Just a normal day for Sophie and the gang. I think what we don't really touch on, or what, we'll, what we haven't touched on yet, is that there's also, like, this fun idea at Ravagog where they have to make a sack and not everybody can get out. Ooh. Is this going to be another situation where Fitz dies again? Well, no, not dies. I just, like, you're left in a worst-case scenario. Sophie unlocks her blink teleport early in the series, but she's only holding hands with, like, Keith because that's the person she usually goes to hold hands with. So they both get out safe, and then, like, the next book but then is them trying else to is rescue stuck. everybody else. Yeah. Oh, that would, that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. And then, once again, we've got this Keefe doesn't betray everybody at the end, because, well, now it's only Sophie and Keefe. And I really doubt he would, like, just leave Sophie completely on her own in that situation. No, he, he couldn't. He couldn't if he tried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think... There's a lot of way thing a lot of ways things could have gone wrong in Ravagog. As with most stealth missions at any time, anywhere. And I think it's fun to just think about the possibilities of said stealth missions absolutely going to hell. <laughs> mm-hmm. More than they already did. Yeah. So moral of the story? Teleporting? Question mark. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. I feel like teleporting could solve so many things, but like it's just so inconvenient that they don't use it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I really love like 
that's such an interesting weakness to give the powers because teleportation is like Nightcrawler and X-Men like in, in, incredibly good powers but just giving them this really specific criteria of you need to jump off a cliff to use it right or you have to have like a strong enough skill to be able to levitate yourself many 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 feet in the air yeah and i think like there's this interesting question of like how high do you actually need to be for it to work like if you just jumped off like five meters like would that be enough to teleport or does it need to be like 15 or whatever oh yeah i don't i don't know um i mean i guess i thought that i always thought that like it had to be from a pretty high location because like but i don't yeah there isn't actually any reason why i thought that (laughs) i mean i'm thinking now it'd be kind of funny if like sophie just figured out how to like hop off her bed and then open a portal and just (laughs) yeah i think like there's this idea like presented in the series where sophie needs time and i guess like i've jumped off a five meter diving board before like you don't you don't get a whole lot of airtime there. It's kind of all a blur. So I guess that could be one reason is cuz like she needs more time and you fall very fast, so you need a high thing to jump off of to get that time. Sophie's we could we could use a whole lot more learning about teleportation, which I guess we're going to get because that seems to be the power that we're focusing on going into these next book. Powers are very fun. And I'm glad that everybody gets them. Well, almost everybody. Can you imagine the series if Sophie was talentless? Oh, that would be a very different series. Sophie just wouldn't have been founded because the way that she and Fitz found each other was by the child telepathy. So Sophie yeah. just would have been a super genius in the human world. Yeah, because like with her eyes, and if she didn't have any abilities, there's literally no way that they'd be able to figure it out. Unless they did like a full DNA test on her. And they were like, oh, wait. This doesn't seem human. Yeah. Oh, well, no. I guess because Forkel was planning to take her into the Alvin world soon anyways. Like, she would have still gone. It just would have been very different because we would have been starting this series off with Sophie and the Black Swan versus starting the series off with Sophie having to find the Black Swan. I think, yeah. I, I, I do really enjoy the idea of Sophie starting with the Black Swan. All right. Do you want to move on to... Should we move on to this last... Yes. Well, <laughs> here's our answer. All right. So this one is um, obviously if Keith had not betrayed everyone at the end of the book. Q uh, Casey's song. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think I don't I can't remember, but there was some poll that was done a while back about like what everybody thought the biggest cliffhanger was. And I remember that Never Seen was pretty high up there. Well, Never Seen has like a double cliffhanger at the end. Which, good for it, but also... Right, because it was like Keith and Prentice. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, here, one of the main characters betrays everybody, and also, if there is one continuous plot line throughout the series, this is it, and now you finally get to see some progress with it. Yeah. Like, um, we were talking about this in the last episode, but, like, the never-seen cliffhanger is just very unique in that... First is Kala sacrificing herself to solve, like, to save the gnomes. And that's the end of the, like, the main plot of the book. So you think it's over. And then Keith betrays everyone. And then so you think that's the end of it. And then Prentice wakes up. So it's just, like, it keeps going. 
it's just it's it's three consecutive punches. Yes, exactly. It's our second our second mentor character death. It is our first major betrayal. Oh no, I guess Oliver would count. I don't know if he's a minor or a major betrayal. Or did Brant get revealed? I honestly can't remember the series at this point, but it's a big betrayal from the main He's the first like cast. main character who's Yeah. Betrayed people. Yeah. And then of course we get Prentice. Oh boy, Prentice. <laughs> yeah, so we've already come up with some ideas while we were talking about the past ideas as to why he wouldn't have betrayed everyone, but I guess just kind of expanding on that and how that would have changed the books going forward. To be honest, I'm not really sure what exact changes would have happened. I know that in Lodestar, like, there was some information that Keith was able to get from the Never Seen that was, like, necessary. So they wouldn't have gotten that information. I think, here's the interesting thing, though, because I'm trying to remember what information Keith gets, and it's not a lot, really. Like, he gets the kidnappings wrong, he gets the other stuff wrong he doesn't know about what's going down at luminaria he just knows that there's something like and even at the end as we only realized very recently the caches that he steals means nothing right that's true so i guess like oh they get the never seen's code system for getting through their bases oh yeah the lodestar symbol right yeah and we get the weird cryptic stuff about humans Mm -hmm. oh and um Ooh, i'm trying to remember um the first chapter of Lodestar had Keith, like, he, like, blew up part of Foxfire, right? Oh, he did do that. Yeah, and didn't that, did like, wasn't that. that, didn't that contribute to, like, the council eventually being, like, okay, we're gonna start teaching everybody mandatory skill training? Oh, yeah, it might. Like, to protect, like, because the cities were in danger, so if there was a link between that, like, that, you know, if Keith hadn't done that, that might mean that... I don't know, has the skill training been used for anything yet? Well, I think the skill training was important because it was Shannon foreshadowing that uh, Gethin was going to bring down the mountain at the end. If that skill training had never happened, then... Oh, it, it did let us get Tam and Lin in the Lost Cities, though, and it got them meeting, us meeting their parents and them meeting their parents, too. Oh, true. Yeah, Tam and Lin wouldn't have come back. Yeah, so I think... I think really what that scene allows for is well or not necessarily that scene but i think what exilium coming to the law series allowed for was exposition and the one time we've seen gen z since book one <laughs> wait true true <laughs> and then we promptly lost him again rest in peace gen z being in the books we you will be missed you are missed i've been seeing gen z reserve uh resurgence that's not the right way to say the word but i'm gonna say it anyways and yeah bring back bring back gen z well i think that also like if keith if keith hadn't left like less on a plot changes level but more on a internal like character changes level like they had to grapple with a lot of stuff in lodestar regarding that especially with sophie and fitz like fitz particularly was feeling really betrayed and none of that would have happened. That's very interesting to think about. Yeah. Because then, the, then the major plot points would have been Alver betraying, then Kala, 
then Prentice, not throwing Keith in the mix at the end there. And, well, already Fitz and Keith and Sophie have such an interesting dynamic as a trio that that would have been, that removing that layer of complexity would be really interesting. If if Fitz doesn't have a right to be angry at Keith, would he be? How would he act? Would he be angry at all? Like, I wonder if, like, that sense of betrayal that he felt from Keith would really, if Keith hadn't left, that sense of betrayal would have really been re- just been replaced by, like, Fitz feeling Oliver's betrayal a bit more. Mm-hmm. Which is, we can already see from, like, the more recent books in the series, especially Flashback had the trolls, right? Especially yeah, flashback, yeah, flashback. Like, how much Oliver's betrayal really impacted Fitz. Like, yet, he was so mad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just remembering, like, that scene where Oliver was in, like, oh, I don't remember anything, but Oliver was in, like, a goo tank or something. Yeah. And then Fitz was, like, I realized that, like, one button would let him out, so I stopped pushing buttons, and I was just like, oh, man. Yeah, he was he was prepared to kill his brother. So, yeah. Which, oh, boy. And it also... I think something that we really missed out on through Keith betraying everybody at the end there was that Keith and Fitz never got to have a discussion about how Alver was both the number one figure that they looked up to. Right, because, like, Alver was Keith's hero as well and all that. Mm-hmm. Because we get from Lodestar that the person that Fitz looked up to the most was Alver. But then there's also this weird dynamic where Alver always saw Keith as a mini-him. So I think there's also an interesting dynamic there versus someone you look up to versus who you look up to's actual favorite. I think it's never a conversation I think we would have gotten to see just because this like the series revolves around Sophie and you that isn't a conversation that would have been had with Sophie, but it's still an interesting conversation to think about being had. I'm trying to think is there anything what are other major changes that would happen through Keith not betraying everybody? I mean, obviously, like, the entirety of Lodestar would have to be rewritten. Right, like, that's, like, that's, like, 80% of the book, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so interesting, too, when you think about Tam and Keith, because Tam has so much distrust built up for Keith. Oh, right. And that's because, it's like, it's not distrust that, Keith hasn't earned like he's earned every single piece of distrust that Tam has given him and it's just interesting to think about if you hadn't have had that come into play where would it have gone right because like if Keith was still with the group in Lodestar like when Tam was also there they would have just interacted a lot more and it would be interesting to see how that like how that would evolve yeah and you have to ask yourself too like I think it's so interesting, Keith's character, and how obsessed he is about being good versus bad. And especially we see that when it comes to him still refusing to have the shadow flux done on him. And that, like, worry that inherently you are bad because your parents are bad. (laughs) Yes. Moral of the story. Everyone needs therapy. Everyone just needs therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's a good way to end it. You can message us at KeeperCast on Tumblr or the KeeperCast on Instagram. And you can find me at Malamelting 
on Tumblr and Instagram? I am uh, at Everglen-Havenfield on Tumblr, although it's pretty quiet around there now. <laughs> this has been KeeperCast. See you next week. Thank you.